Yo, yo, what's up, my people? B Thanks, Bengals Thanks, back for another episode of the All Things Bengals podcast. Here today in Cincinnati, it's a beautiful day here, preparing for the game tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> 425 kickoff matchup against the Cowboys, the Dak Prescott list Cowboys. Um, it It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good game. Um, you know, coming in there a lot more stable, a lot more um, grounded in my thinking, not so flying high to a delusional level. It was really needed, you know, with what's transpired and what happened last Sunday. As much as it sucks, it's going to turn out to be really good for this team. What this team needed to be the best that they can be for this 2022 season and to take it into February 13th, 2023 and to raise that Lombardi trophy for the first time. I really think that this can be a monumental moment when we look back that we were able to humble ourselves, to really align ourselves. You know, of course, ourselves is in this team. To just build themselves to be indestructible with their mindset, with their approach to the game, to not fly too high, and to be better at winning games that they should win in games that maybe some people think they shouldn't, that they will. I think it's going to be a great thing. And that's going to start with... This game, starting here, with the new mindset, with the new approach, you know, with more stability, and um, winning the game in 60 minutes, man, winning the game in 60 minutes, be patient, things will come to you, and so will W's when you focus on that, so that's the most important thing, you know, as I just relayed, not only for this game, but the entire season. So, really looking forward to seeing that being displayed on Sunday for every single passing minute in this game. A couple other micro points, of course, with that macro is take what the defense is giving us. No need to try to force big plays. This defense, as most defenses are, they're going to live and die by cover two shell coverage. They're going to prioritize having safeties over the top and have people further off the line of scrimmage to make sure that you don't break them over the top. They want everything underneath. They would rather sacrifice the five plays for 11 yards a pop instead of a 55-yarder. You know what I mean? Because we know that Jamar will do that. We know that T will do that. We know that TB can do that. Joe Mixon, anybody, Hayden Hurst. Line it up, bitch. We know that we can do that. So defenses are going to overextend themselves to say, hey, we're going to force you to take this shallow crosser again and again and again and again and again because we are not going to get burned over the top like we've seen so many times. Take what the defense gives you. Joe is really good at that. It just got out of hand last game, and I can assure you I'm confident, as an outsider though, and of course nobody can guarantee it, that he will reel that back in, rein himself back in, and play that type of football. Don't turn the ball over. That's going to come with being patient. When you're patient, you're much likely to make, or you're much likely to not make mistakes, to play sound football and controlled football within what you can control, of course. So 
Take what the defense gives you and don't turn the ball over. Pretty simple but monumental stuff. That's what will win you football games. If this team does not turn over the football in games, there's nobody, no team that can beat us. If we do not turn the football over and we play solid, because there's been some games to where surprisingly we've had no turnovers, but we still play like shit in other ways. But if you play soundly, solid, not even great, and don't turn the ball over, you're maybe losing one game. Like, that's just the scope of what you can expect from this team. It's how good they are. So don't fucking turn it over. Take what the defense is giving you. How does this injured Cowboys team size up with the Bengals? Some may ask. Um, first off, the Cowboys are really injured. They're missing five-plus starters right now. Um, they're missing Tyrone Smith, you know, all-decade-type talent at left tackle. He went down right before the season. Um, they are missing Connor McGovern, their left guard, or maybe right guard. Uh, they lost him last weekend. Nothing too major with him, but he's going to be out for the game. They're missing Michael Gallup. Huge, huge depth for their receiver room now without Amari Cooper. To where you're leaving CeeDee Lamb as the clear-cut top guy. And our defense is going to be even more scoped on him now because if you eliminate him, there's a guy named Noah Brown. You're probably wondering who the fuck that is. Exactly. I didn't know who he was either until he put up 5 for 68 and one tutty last week, I think, or some shit like that. That's not a dude. Like They, they don't have any passing pass catchers except CeeDee Lamb, who's a real dude, and Dalton Schultz, and I guess Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott out of the backfield. Certainly not going to underestimate that elite duo. But they're also missing Javon Curse, their best safety. Um, they are missing in, oh yeah, their fucking quarterback, Dak. That is five, six guys right there that are real dudes. Um, so they're injured. Cooper Rush is in year six of his career, and he's been with the Cowboys for five and a half of those, and he started one game. And he won. Hence, he did win against the Vikings. I think it was last year or something. Um, <clears throat> So there's lots of opportunities here to come into a team that is decimated with injuries at key spots, some of the most important positions in football, quarterback, wide receiver, tackle, and they're gone. You take care of business. And uh, another thing is this Cowboys team is going to do their best to establish the run game to get Rush as confident as possible. That's going to be a tall task because that O-line is banged up in this defensive front especially in the run game, is dominant. Dominant. I could see us in some packages lining up. Um, uh, our pass rushers, Trey Hendrickson, maybe DJ Reader, right over uh, Connor or um, um, Matt something. He's a shitty-ass backup guard. Seventh-round pick of 2021. And... Uh, You'd expect them to try to expose that weak spot all across that left side. So, I mean, Terrence Steele has been solid for them on the right side of that tackle spot. Hasn't been great. Of course, you have the all-world guard, Hall of Fame talent, and Zach Martin, who's going to get his work in. He's going to do a good job. Their center, I forget their center's name. I'm, oh, uh, Tyler Biatish. Uh, that's a good center, too. 
you know, that's a great O-line that's just decimated with injury right now. So you're going to see them try to establish the run game. And it's going to be, that plays into our favor because while they have weak a weak receiver core right now, especially with a backup quarterback to try to get it to a weakened receiver room. We have a top-tier secondary, top-tier linebackers, and a really productive defensive line, more productive in the run game than the pass game. So that really plays into the Bengals' wheelhouse. Bengals' strength on the Cowboys' strength, and that Cowboys' strength is minuscule compared to the Bengals' strength. Um. And look, it, this game can look a lot like the Steelers game last week. And of course, on our end, much more consistency, not the bullshit that we dealt with last week on our end on offense. But their offense, their defense can look really similar. A lackluster quarterback. This quarterback's probably a little bit worse than Mitch Trubisky. Um, good running backs, both two good running backs, a better O-line. That's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. But. In the same way as they have a good O-line and the Steelers didn't, the Steelers had really good skill players and the Cowboys don't outside of running back. They don't. Like, you would you would like to see Dalton Schultz lined up one-on-one against Trey Flowers anymore. For years, we did not like that with tight ends against our defense because we just got fucking shredded. Ever since Trey Flowers came in, though, it's completely changed. And they know that Dalton... Dalton Schultz is about to be a focal point of that Dallas offense. You can expect to see a lot more Trey Flowers out there. Maybe you hope to see more Dax Hill. I don't know how much. The tough thing is for people that wonder why the hell is a talent like Dax Hill sitting on the bench right now. It's because we're so good everywhere else. Imagine till CB, Imagine what will happen once CTB comes back. That's another really good cornerback that we're going to get back in a couple weeks. We just can't fit him in a ton. Are we going to try to? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's a big reason why. Was it disappointing that Dak, Dax only got six snaps last weekend? Hell yeah, it was. You hope that that increases? I don't know how much, though. In, in this scenario, to bring it back with Dalton Schultz, they're most familiar and comfortable with Trey Flowers. He's an experienced veteran that's had a lot of starting experience in this league, and we've already seen it with him in this defense. That's why they're going to pick Trey Flowers over Dax Hill unequivocally every time this season. Unless if, like, God forbid, Trey Flowers goes down and Dax has to step up and then Trey comes back, but Dax just clearly earned that role above him. That's the only way I see it happening. So Dalton Schultz and CeeDee Lamb the focal points of that offense, and of course those running backs are elite as well. Um, you know, I think that's going to save their offense for whatever work that they can have, but I don't think that's going to be too much. So, sorry guys, I got a fucking car alarm in the background. It's annoying me, irritating me a little bit, but yeah, that's what I can see. They're going to try to get creative because they have to. They have to move the ball down the field. So, what are some of the advantages that we have heading into this game? Exploit their interior defensive line. It's a weak position for them, okay? Um, I don't even remember the names of who they have there. It's not good. It's not terrible. It's not like the Browns, like, bottom end of the league or, you know, bottom tier of the league. But it's near there. Um, 
they're definitely susceptible to allowing runs up the middle. And that's that really plays into Joe's wheelhouse as that interior defensive line is weak while their edges are dominant. Certainly not going to overlook Micah Parsons, the second-best defensive player of football, and Demarcus Lawrence. That's an elite pass rush duo. But the thing that affects Joe the most is interior pressure, really any quarterback, because Joe loves to maneuver himself through the pocket. And often the easiest way to maneuver yourself in the pocket is when you have edge players making a pursuit towards you, you can easily step up in the pocket and make a move. But when you have interior pressure, so guys running straight at you instead of from your sides of the edge position, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot more tight in there. It's a lot more tight in that pocket. And you got to maneuver more, you know, you got to bust yourself out of that pocket more in different ways. That's how shit gets pretty tricky when you have interior pressure coming up in your face. Am I going to say that's never going to happen tomorrow? No, it may. Uh, but that's a weak position. You hope that the Bengals work to exploit that. Establish the run game. Get some runs up the gut. Run right at Micah Parsons at times. Don't press it too much because Micah's going to get his work in. And so is Demarcus Lawrence at times. Um, but that is definitely a position that we can work to exploit and dominate. Try to contain their edge rush duo the best we can. Try. You know, I think some ways that we could do that is just work to maybe have more 12 personnel out there. Hayden, or or two blockers, I should say. We don't even need to run with 12 personnel with Hayden Hurst and um, Drew Sample because they're probably going to have Samaje out there more. That's something to be prepared for. We're going to have blockers in the backfield more. Whether that is between those three guys, Hurst, Sample, or Piran. Sample's going to be in there a ton of the game because we have to contain these edge players. Micah Parsons lined up on the interior left edge and right edge 20-20-20 split last week. 20 snaps at right edge, 20 snaps interior, 20 snaps at left. Talk about versatility. Where's the weakest spot on our O-line? Left guard. No, it's not that Cordell's terrible. It's just that we, I've already belabored the point so many times. You go, you go against the first ballot Hall of Famer talent and Cam Hayward in week one, and you're going to go against the second best defensive player in football in week two. They're going to work to exploit that left guard spot. Chip lock. Chip lock them. Have them have to go through obstacles. And what's nice is that what works in our favor here is our weapons can create things back there. They have a weakened safety unit. Their number one safety is out with the MCL injury. Trayvon Diggs is susceptible to getting burned. He's a receiver. He's a receiver mind that plays cornerback. He's really good at detecting the ball, but plays far off at times and is susceptible to getting beat. His technique can use some work, like Jamar said. Anthony Brown is their cornerback too. He's okay. He's not that good. Easy. Any cornerback that is middling is going to fucking get destroyed against this receiver unit. Leighton Van Der Esch and their linebacker core, um, uh, Dante Fowler, I think, is their other linebacker. It's good. It's fine. It's fine. But they're not that good sideline to sideline. And for any skill unit that can really press a linebacking core, first off, individual is Tyler Boyd. We know how much he destroys linebackers. He always will. But to be able to stretch these guys sideline to sideline to force them to stay disciplined with the run. 
you could see a lot of pitches, especially to avoid that edge rush, that pressure from the edge. Go with some pitch plays. Go with screens. Force these edge players into space because if you don't force them into space, they're going to be heading right towards Joe Burrow's space, to his head, because they know that it's going to be a traditional play. They pin their ears back, and they're going right to Joe. If you force them to have to make a decision, that's how you can really get your leverage. And when you get leverage there, we already have leverage in most other spots. So that's one of the biggest things. Work to contain those edge guys. I touched on it just a few moments ago. I'll go a little bit deeper in it. We can exploit Diggs. I think a way that we can do is, first off, he's not a Jalen Ramsey, but he's a Jalen Ramsey respected type guy to that secondary. He is unequivocally that dude in that secondary. Go at him. He's a guy that can get beat. Is he really good? Yes, he's really good, but he is susceptible to getting cooked. Jamar cooked his ass two years ago, three years ago, the last time they played against each other. Yes, they've gotten better. Both have gotten better. Trayvon's gotten better. Jamar's gotten better. Jamar's going to get that work on him. Trayvon may get his work too. It may happen. Who knows? But if you go after their top dog, what does that do to the rest of their secondary? If they know, oh shit, they're going after Trayvon right now and they're destroying him, what am I going to do? I'm, a- I'm Anthony Brown. What am I going to do? I'm the fucking backup safety. What am I going to do? I'm the sock corner that's mentally. Or another safety. Like, that affects your defense when your top guy's getting fucked on. You know, it affects your confidence because that's your leader. Go at him. You can exploit him. You can exploit him. And certainly rest of the, the rest of the secondary. So, um, the last part of this episode, guys, I'm going to go over some of my stat predictions. Um, I'm sure for most of you that listen probably saw it on my main feed yesterday. I ended up posting about it. Uh, but if you don't remember it, I will run it down for you. So my score prediction for the game is 27-23 Bengals. I think it's a sound game. We take care of business. We get in. We get out. Or I could see 30-13. to 13. I personally do not see them going over 13 points. But who knows? Anything could happen. That's just what I have. 27-13 Bengals. Get back in the win column. The production I could see from the Cowboys side is I could see Cooper Rush going for something like 19 for 33, 188 yards, one touchdown, maybe, you know, get a get a quick dump off to a running back near the red zone and they get in for six. And I could also see him throwing a couple picks. I see the secondary tricking him, um, letting him have his leeway. And then as soon as he gets confident, boom, we suck it right out of him with an INT. Two of them. Zeke, um, I ended up writing Zeke down on here. I didn't write Pollard. I was tempted to, but I just went with Zeke here. I could see him going for like 15 rushes, four receptions, maybe 55 yards or so. Um, And I could see Tony Pollard probably having around the same numbers too, maybe a little bit less rushes and more receptions. I could see something like 11 for seven receptions for him. They're going to get about, Zeke's going to get a bit more of the touches, but it's not going to be that far off with Pollard. C.D. Lamb, I could see him going six for 54 yards, no tutty. I could see Noah Brown going for three receptions, 28 yards. Eli's going to lock his ass down. Um, Can't spell elite without Eli. Dalton Schultz, I could see three receptions, 22 yards, and one touchdown. Look, that offense isn't going to be able to get much going, guys. 
We have one of the best defenses in football. We have a top-ranked defense per PFF in almost every single metric in the overall after week one. No, of course, that doesn't mean everything, and I really don't care where they rank them.